Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. And welcome to Linux in the Ham Shack. At the date of this recording, it is the one-year anniversary of the Joplin Tornado. Now, I guess it's a big deal because it's all over the news and stuff, but we have tornadoes down here all the time and, and stuff. Anyway, my name is Richard, KB5JBV, and welcome to our show. Life is good, things are wonderful, and up in the beautiful, picturesque mountains of northern Arkansas, we have Russ K5TUX. Say hello to everybody, Russ. Up in the beautiful mountains where there is no breeze and it's still, well, it looks like it's cooling off a little bit finally, but this is it's still a little early for 80 degrees at, you know, 830 at night. That's okay. I could take it if there was some wind, but there isn't. Anyway, um, have, go ahead. You, you can have this fly floating around the radio or computer room here. Well, I, I don't have one of those, so I guess I should be glad. But I am back in north-central Arkansas between the peaks of the pine forests somewhere around here, back from the flatlands of Dayton, Ohio, where I spent three and a half days this past weekend at the Dayton Mission, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit. How are things down there, other than the fact that you're all bright, shiny, chipper, and fuzzy? I am always fuzzy. In fact, the older I get, the fuzzier I get. I'm not sure what's going on with that, but that's okay because sometimes I even scare myself. It's okay. It's okay. Life is wonderful. The birds are singing. Uh, the, the sun is shining. Well, the sun's almost shining. Actually, it was pretty red when it was going down. It normally means rain around here. Oh, well. Welcome to our show. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We'd like to say hello to everybody in the chat room. Mostly the same people because... Some of y'all are slacking and I don't mean the ones that are in the, in the, in the chat room tonight. I mean, the ones that are slacking y'all need to come visit us on the live show. There's a lot of stuff y'all miss. I mean, some really cool stuff. In fact, we teach people how, when, when before the show and after the show and during the breaks on the live show, we teach people how to, uh, win the lottery. We teach people how to win the lottery. We teach guys how to attract young, attractive females. We teach the ladies how to attract young, attractive males. We have also more than once had a seminar on how to live forever. Y'all miss a lot of stuff not coming to the live show. So y'all should probably check us out. Um, um, since you're not in the chat room at this time, I would assume that you're listening to it 
afterwards. But you need to come visit us. Go on over to lhspodcast.info. Take a look. You can see our schedule. And we have a live feed. And you can listen. Or you can come on in in the chat room. But unfortunately, Rich is not bright enough to remember what the address of the chat room is. But that's okay because Russ will tell us as soon as I quit talking. Maybe. If people all come in, they'll they'll get all that information you just told them about, and then we won't be able to pick on them anymore. This is true, but there'll be some that don't believe us. I'll tell you right now, we have five, no less than five, lottery winners in the chat room right now. That's right. You'll be hearing about them on the news next weekend. Exactly. But if you want to check out the chat room, you can go to the free node network on IRC using your favorite IRC client, and our channel is hashtag LHS podcast. And that's where you can join in every other Tuesday night when we give you the secrets to the meaning of life and the lottery picks. That's right. We will tell you, we will uh, describe to you how to build your own Brownie in motion device. What I was a kid in, uh, where is it? Egypt. Come think of it. And he, y'all know my mind wanders the guy in Egypt. That uh, they're uh, not a guy, a girl at the university over there that has discovered a new mode of space propulsion using quantum, uh, quantum mechanics, no quantum physics and uh, something that uh, people have been talking about for a while. And so y'all won't find out about that either, because if I do discuss it, I'll discuss it during the breaks or before or after the show. I may have already discussed it. It kind of depends on how Russ puts the show together at the end. Well, the show is put together using quantum mechanics, so you never can tell how it's going to come out. That's right. That's that Heisenberg uncertainty principle. That's right. The podcast uncertainty principle. Yeah. Thing. Okay. That's enough. Enough <laughs> of that business. So let's, <laughs> let's go ahead and move on. All right. Um, as Russ said, he spent the weekend in, in Dayton, Dayton, Ohio. And visiting with all the ham radio operators. So, like, uh, how was Dayton this year, Russ? I have to say Dayton was fantastic this year. I honestly think of the three years that we've been there, attendance has gone up every year. And this year I heard on the talkout station, because I actually did something weird and brought a radio with me this time, that they thought the uh, attendance this year was around 25,000 people. And judging by the number of people who came by the Linux in the Hamshack booth, I'd say that's about right. And I'll tell you what, though, there was one person missing. You know who that was? Ted Randall. <laughs> no, Ted Randall was actually there, but you weren't. And why weren't you there? Because lots of people want to know the answer to that question. Richard wasn't there because Richard's a working man and he couldn't afford gas before it went up to almost $4 a gallon. However, we're in the middle of the economic recovery, and I, I, for, I foresee in the future the gas prices will continue to fall until after the November election. Oh, but that it's economic with me. That's at 100% the bottom line. I got to work. I can't, I can't get up and go. I can't, I can't spend the money to go. In fact, we were discussing this evening how we were going to get out to East Texas to do a job in two weeks. All right. Well, that sounds good. And I think uh, I'm, I pulled up this uh, one of my favorite websites called InstantRimShot.com. And no, uh, that, that doesn't mean what you think it means. 
I know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, your mind tends to wander in places that the most of us don't go. No, as far as I know, as far as I know, this particular show doesn't circulate in the gay community. I <laughs> see. I don't know why I even went there. I should have just let it be. <laughs> but anyway, I was going to say, after I pulled up this website, that you can go out to Dayton with me during the economic recovery as soon as gas prices fall below the share price of Facebook. And you know what? That would have been a lot funnier if the thing actually worked. Uh-huh. You broke it, didn't you? What happened? Why didn't I get my, why didn't I get my, see, now we don't have just a handful of people telling us what to do. We have a corporation telling us what to do. Oh, I'm telling you, Identica is looking better and better. Yeah. But oh, boom. Diaspora. You said you've played with Diaspora. What do you think? I haven't. I have an account. Yes. I don't see, I don't see you can do a whole hell of a lot with it. So you don't really know what's going on with it or. I haven't spent a lot of time playing with it. I've been busy. Well, all right. I'd sure like to know why that didn't work. But oh, boom. Gold darn it. But boom. Yeah. But boom. Actually, I bet I can make it work over the course of the show. So hang on. It, lo- it logged me out. What did? Diaspora. Oh, diaspora. One of these days we should talk about diaspora, but not today. Anyway, back to Hamvention. We, we really got a lot of good interest in Linux in the Hamshack at Hamvention. We still got the same kind of questions like, what are you selling? What are you doing here? Who are you? You crazy people, that kind of thing. Through it all, I managed to, uh, give away a whole lot of business cards, answer a lot of questions, give away a lot of DVDs, create a lot of interest in ham radio on Linux and get a lot of interest in the show. We got a considerable amount of donations at the show to match the ones we got before the show. So our listeners and our Hamvention visitors were very generous, and I want to thank all of them for that. Uh, We'll put that towards Hamvention 2013 and other show expenses and whatnot. And uh, we got about, I think, 60 or 70 people signed up for the mailing list, which was uh, really, really good. I think we're up to about 350 people on that. So how's that sound? Diaspora's starting to piss me off. Oh, good. You're not listening. Yeah, I'm listening. <laughs> Adding people to the mailing list and all kinds of good stuff. I was listening. Oh, there we go. But I'm boom. Yeah, like that. Yeah, like that. Okay. So you can. We can both go to Hamvention about the time the gas prices fall below the share price of Facebook. Excellent. <laughs> he gets so tickled over the little things, kids. <laughs> I, I, I think he'd been at the bottle already. <laughs> All right. Where was I? Uh, you were at the Dayton Hamvention with 25,000 individuals coming to the LHS podcast booth. Well, I don't know that they all showed up, but we did see a significant amount of them, or I should say I saw a significant amount of them. Although Matt, KC8BEW, was there, and he helped me out a little bit. I got I got a bit swamped on Saturday, and he just happened to wander by at the right moment. So he was sort of a impromptu booth babe for a little while, and he is one sexy ham radio operator. Uh-huh. Ham sexy, huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord that, the the jokes don't get any better kids y'all might want to go ahead and flip past the neck of the music for some real content 
Oh, and speaking of kids, I got to see uh, Rich, KB0BJT, and Brady. The, li- the, the little one. Yeah, the little one. The guys from uh, the Low SWR podcast. I saw both of them out there, and that was good to see them. Uh, I saw them last year as well, so that was pretty did, cool. Did they have a booth? They did not have a booth. They were there just to wander around and go buy stuff. Uh, I know they love to go to Hamvention because they're tinkerers. They love the solder smoke and going through and building kits and making things out of parts and all that kind of stuff. So they love Hamvention. Nee, 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 nee. You didn't have a booth. <laughs> <laughs> they were probably happy they didn't have a booth. No, I don't know. I've worked booths at different ham fests before. Kind of fun kind of hectic well i know i had a good time let me tell you you used to be great going to ham ham conventions you know hamcom here in dallas down in belton up in oklahoma used to be really wonderful but now the ham radio operators look too normal apparently you have not been to hamvention they look a lot more normal than they used to <laughs> as Trust i said me apparently you haven't been to hamvention Trust me. <laughs> well, we also got a visit from a couple of operators out of Belgium who came straight to the United States and straight to Ohio to do nothing but go to Hamvention. Uh, they told me the reason was that it was required of all hams to go there at least once during their lifetime. That was their justification for going. And we had a good five or ten minute chat. They were yeah. a, a lot of fun. Yeah, I'll probably end up at Hamvention the same way James doing when actually went to space. <laughs> You're going to sprinkle your ashes over the hair arena? I guess so. Okay. They'll They're, never get me out of their hair. I don't especially, know. Especially the whales. <laughs> I don't know. See, overall, I didn't have a whole lot I can really say about Hamvention because I, I was busy the whole time. I rarely left the booth. I didn't get a chance to get out and get any recordings. I didn't get a chance to go up and bitch at the folks from Flex Radio about the fact that they're not, you know, Linux compatible. Next chance I next chance I get to get to Belton, I'm, I'm, I'll rip them one. And the guys from the QSO Radio Show said they were going to have me on during uh, sometime on Saturday, and they never showed up, so they can suck it. Well, he did the same badger to me with the other show. Oh, I said the word. He did the same badger to me with the other show well he did the same thing to me so ted randall can suck it unless of course he decides to have us on at some point in the future in which case i take it all back (laughs) (laughs) i think that ship has sailed (laughs) i want to tell everybody that ted randall ain't nothing but uh, a leo laporte i actually got to Go ahead. What? He's only doing a, a amateur radio show on the shortwave because he can't get a real job with a, a station. Ooh, that's harsh. That's right. Art Bell wouldn't touch him. <laughs> Hell, George Norrie wouldn't touch him. Uh, that's because he's named after seaweed. Who? George Norrie. Never mind. Where's my little, <laughs> where's my rim shot? <laughs> there we go. Yes what i said <laughs> what i said all right well anyway i would love to say more about hamvention but honestly i didn't see any of it i kind of saw it you know from a ten thousand foot overview i saw a very busy uh flea market section and i saw lots and lots and lots of people roaming around inside and i stayed busy the whole time so that made for a good show for me 
and we got plenty of donations. We got plenty of interest, and that's exactly why we were there. So, did, did the toilets explode? No exploding toilets this time. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, so there's not even a good story about Hamvention this time. But I do want to thank everybody who came by the booth. It was really great to see everybody who came by. And I really hope we garnered a whole bunch of new listeners. And I really hope you enjoy the show. And I think that's about it for my Hamvention report. Yeah, that's something else. You know, different different uh, ham fests and stuff, they're not near as stinky as they used to be either. Well, that's probably a good thing. It go that goes with the oh, 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 oh. I'm looking a lot more normal than they used to. <laughs> yeah. So let's In fact, there was this old gal that would lived here nor, uh, local and uh, the first time I ever seen her was at at Hamcom and that woman had a thicker beard than mine. Did she come on a circus train? I don't know. They had to be in some Bigfoot or some gorilla or something in there. Uh, of course, after I got to knowing her disposition, I'm thinking more chupacabra. <laughs> we're back chupacabra. to that. Are we? Excuse me? I said, we're back to that. Are we, you need to get me a sound bite of a chupacabra so I can play that occasionally. Okay. I'll get that when I get <laughs> the, the Bigfoot, the Loch Ness monster and the, uh, well, what the, the hell is that? The, the beast of Bray road, uh, sound bites and the striped snipe. Oh yeah. That too. Yeah. That too. We have chupacabras in Texas. There was a woman down near Quero, uh, found a dead one. Okay. Send me a picture right now. Well, no, not right now. I think I've got it on my computer somewhere. We've kind of got this thing going on, like a show that we do every so often. Oh, well, I don't ever get to talk to you any other time. You don't like me. I like you just fine. You just don't pick up the telephone. Of course, I don't either. So there we are. I'm sad. <laughs> sad. Uh, okay. So, uh, everybody that came visited the LHS booth at Dayton thank you very much. Uh, go ahead and put your, uh, CDs in and check it, check them out. I mean, uh, if all else fails and you're diehard windows user, you know, you can take that old rattle trap beat up, uh, computer you got sitting in the corner and stick that disc in there and fire it on up and operate some amateur radio off of it. And that way you don't have to worry about windows killing your log books. So, uh, with that, FCC dismisses Texas Ham's fourth position, calls it repetitive. What's that all about, Russ? I just happened to see this in passing when I was looking at some ham radio news earlier this afternoon, and I just kind of wanted to get your take on it. Basically, here's what the story is. There's this ham in Texas, Glenn, K9STH, who has been petitioning the FCC repeatedly over the last few years, trying to get them to alter part 97 of the FCC rule book, uh, subsection 119A, so that if you have a communication that lasts less than three minutes, you only have to ID once at the beginning and no more because his logic is that that's pretty much what people do anyway, and they rarely give their call sign at the end of a communication. Now, in my operating experience, that's total BS. I hear people sign off with their call signs about 99% of the time. But um, I just wanted to bring this up because I was curious what Richard thought about it. And I, let me just read the little bit about what 97119A is. And it reads, each amateur station except a space station or telecommand station 
must transmit its assigned call sign on its transmitting channel at the end of each communication and at least every 10 minutes during a communication for the purpose of clearly making the source of the transmissions from the station known to those receiving the transmissions. No station may transmit unidentified communications or signals or transmit as the station call sign any call sign not authorized to the station. Seems pretty straightforward. So when it comes to operating procedure down where you are, uh, particularly, I would think, in the VHF and UHF space more than HF space, do you see the same problem that Glenn sees, or do you see it like I see it? And in any case, what would you have the FCC do? Well, I actually tell you the truth, since Glenn lives down here in a large metropolitan area, Richardson, Texas, just north of Dallas. Uh, in fact, Richardson shares a common city limit with Dallas on the north side. Here's the climate. The climate down here is every single solitary repeater pair on VHF is full. Every repeater pair on 70 centimeters is full. The six meter repeater frequencies are starting to fill up. There are repeaters on 900. There are also repeaters on 1.2 gig, uh, especially with D-Star coming in and uh, a lot of guys setting those up because there's not a lot of, you don't have to battle a lot for a pair up there. With that, and considering that just the city of Dallas has over a million people in it and the huge number of ham radio operators that are in this area, let, let's put it this way, when... Uh, when I check the county I'm in, which is the county next to Dallas County, there's three or 400 hams in this county. There's liable to be seven or eight times that in just Dallas County. Then you have Tarrant County and uh, Collin County to the north and Denton County to the north that uh, are not little bitty places. In fact, Denton County is mostly uh, its big business is college, North Texas State University. Having said all that, this guy, he's probably heard some people, but he's listening to the wrong repeaters or he's listening to the wrong, wrong people because we suffer from that influx that, uh, or that problem that we developed with the huge in influx of op operators when they opened the floodgates a few years back. And there are people out there operating and operating any old way they want to because there's not enough enforcement in this area. Uh, what this boils down to is, A, there's nothing wrong with the way we identify. And if you can say it at the beginning of your transmission, you can say it at the end. Not going to hurt a thing. In fact, I know some people that ID every time they, right before they unkey the mic every time. And I don't see any problem with that. Too, too often is better than not often enough. Number two, the... Uh, Official observers need to get off their dead butts and start collecting up information on these people that are doing this and forwarding that to the FCC offices because if we let it go, ham radio is supposed to be self-policing. If we let it go, before long, the uh, First Lady of the United States will be able to say, you know what, I want a ham radio in my limousine and I don't want to have to get a license. And that may sound like a joke, but it's happened before with another service. So as far as the three-minute rule, everybody on frequency needs to know who it is. And the only reason for not wanting to ID is so that people won't know who you are. 
And that's okay because Glenn's a lid. Y'all get on the Richardson repeater or even that uh, repeater up in Plano, 147-180, I believe it is. It's got a strange tone. Y'all have to look it up. Get on there and tell Glenn he's a lid. Everybody go on there and tell K9STH, Glenn, you're a lid. And that'll, that'll solve his issues. I, I took a look at his website here a second ago. This guy is so full of himself. He has the history of K9STH in a PDF file. He's got his own little ebook about himself. Now, I wasn't able to get it open while you were talking, but I, I bet it's just wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. Let's see I mean, here. What, what is the, the history of K9STH? Oh my God. Look at that. A whole professional document. Let's see. The call sign K9STH came into being on 15 May 1959 when the Federal Communication Commission issued a novice class operator's license to Glenn E. Zook as KN9STH, then residing in Laporte. Oh, see, he's already associated with Laporte. So forget that. Well, I don't want to throw a cast dispersions on our friends in Indiana. <laughs> uh, in fact, they probably kicked him out from up there. <laughs> let's see. But apparently, you know, apparently this guy's worked on, oh, let's see, worked on Collins radios and all this good. You know what? That's crap. This guy needs a knot jerked in his badger. And, um, y'all go tell him he's a lid. In fact, those of y'all that'll be going to Hamcom at the end of June, at the beginning of June, at the beginning of June. Uh, y'all, uh, y'all keep your eye out for K nine STH and tell him that Linux in ham shack said he's a lid. You know, it's funny talking about Collins radios. He's got this thing in here about how he's, you know, worked on Collins and his whole life was re- revolving around. Ooh, I had Collinses and I worked on Collinses. I was reading the, either this month's or last month's QTH or, uh, yeah. What the hell is it? What's the magazine? Q- QST, the QST. newsletter of the American Radio Relay League. Yeah, that one. I was reading the magazine of the the thing. There was an article in there, uh, like a two-page article, about a guy who was so happy that he found a certain Collins transmitter and how he brought it back to life. And uh, da, 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 da. Last I checked, we were all human beings, and... Uh, Every amateur radio operator was kind of on par with every other amateur operator having used a Collins transmitter or not, but apparently that's big news. Yeah. Well, the, the thing about it is I'm, a, my father's got a shack full of Collins radios and ain't a damn one of them works, but he's got them. Well, he pays big money for them too. You know, the thing of it is these folks got to, uh, use and benefit from the operation of Collins transceivers and transmitters and possibly receivers by the sheer luck of having been born before me or you. So, so what? In fact, I can remember some of the really old radios I've had in the past. And actually tell you the truth, looks like this guy's got some Collins and some Heath kid in his shack and some other stuff. I found a picture. I know that watt meter sitting there because I've got one just like it in a box over here. There's an MFJ uh, audio filter. You know, the, the whole point is that there's absolutely, and we have, we have drifted off subject. The whole point is the rules are in place the way they are for a reason. Identification rules, there's nothing wrong with them. 
FCC allows us to use tactical calls as long as we make a legal ID at the appropriate time. You know, they could force us to every time we identify, every time we uh, keyed up our radio, we center call sign. There are services like that. In fact, uh, GMRS, I believe it is, it's been a long time. We have, the fam- my family had a license for a little while. I believe every time you ended, before you unkeyed the microphone, every time you keyed it up, before you unkeyed that microphone, you had to send the license, the uh, license ID, the call sign. I believe that's the way it was. There ain't nothing wrong with that. You know what? We probably need to go ahead and play some music. We've been yapping on this a little too long. <laughs> y'all make sure when y'all see Glenn up there to tell him he's a lid, 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 lid. Well, Richard, yeah, I didn't, I didn't want this to turn into a bash, bash session of, of Glenn K9STH, but it but does, it does. Well, right. It just seems a little bit strange. I mean, it's not that difficult to identify every 10 minutes. And you don't even have to identify at the start of a, a uh, contact or, or a QSO, as people are wont to say, you know, it's as long as you identify every 10 minutes and at the end, you're good to go. Exactly. What kind of music you got? Well, tonight I kind of wussed out. I have a couple of Jonathan Colton tracks. Nothing wrong with Jonathan Colton. It's just that I have this stuff lying around and I didn't bother to go searching for anything new. So uh, here's a couple of. Well, I've got a couple of uh, tracks from his new album, Artificial Heart. This one is so bum fuzzled. He can't even lead. He can't even do the lead in for the music. That's right. Uh, This first one's a nice slow one. And uh, both of these tracks are pretty short, so don't go too far. Uh, This first one is a nice little ditty done on uh, ukulele, and it's called Down Today. I hope uh, everybody enjoys it. And we'll be back in uh, about two and a half minutes or uh, Woolery would say, we'll be back in two and two. Tell me what you think I've been doing wrong. I'm too high to hear what you say. Maybe write a letter if it takes too long. Come down today. I found a pretty girl who loves me true. I don't ask why, and she won't say. I am about ten miles over you. I won't come down today. I just bought a balloon, me and a girl are taking a ride. Float just under the moon, dumping your things. If you're gonna leave, could you let me know? I won't try.
was very much like a day, the end of a day in life. Yeah, kind of. I don't think, much. I don't think the Beatles used a lot of ukulele. Been a long time since I heard a ukulele. It sounded, it sounded like a mandolin with something missing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be a few strings. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm sorry, I got distracted by the chat room. Okay, kids. Uh, yeah, ukulele. Very, very, very ukulele-ish. Jonathan Golden. Sooner or later, I'm going to have to get in a position to get you to introduce me to him. Anyway, so uh, what we got here is uh, S- SO2SDR contest logging software. Uh, what's up with the uh, contest? Oh, yeah, people been asking about that. So uh, what's going on with that, Russ? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I got visited by, let's see, I can't, well, I got visited by several people at Hamvention who were interested in logging software, and I was able to tell them about CQR log and YFK log and X log and, you know, all of the different logging applications out there for Linux, but I had to basically say, you know, there's just really not a whole lot in the way of contest logging software. I had a demo of YFK test, which to this day, I have not gotten to work properly because for some reason, I while I can get it to boot up and run and I can enter data into it, I can't actually get it to log any of my contacts. It would have been really nice if someone had brought up the fact that SO2 SDR software existed while I was at Hamvention, but of course, I found out about it afterwards. Uh, we got a little bit of contact in the chat room from a, a ham who has two call signs. The first of which is IZ3NVR, India Zulu 3, November Victor Radio. Uh, and his American call sign is probably not going to come to me. Oh, and look, a train. Can you hear the train? No. I like trains. I like trains too, but they kind of mess up the recording. It's kind of like the airplanes that used to fly over the other house. You done forgot about them, haven't you? Well, I, I more remember the Mexicans that came by with the loud stereos. Yeah. Ka-thump, ka-thump. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, um, IZ3 uh, NVR, is that what I just said? Because I've already forgotten. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, anyway. He said he was trying to get the SO2 SDR software for contest logging to work. Now, this is a software package that's written using the Qt toolkit, which means it will run on any platform that supports Qt. For our purposes, that includes Linux. It also includes the... uh, you know, the W software, so you can run it on both of those. What I did is I went to the Google code site where this is hosted, and the URL for that is http colon stroke stroke code.google.com stroke p stroke so2sdr, fairly straightforward. The URL for that will obviously be in the show notes, and I know Bill's in the chat room, so he's listening. So IZ3 NZR, I'm sorry, IV3 NZR was asking about the fact that he couldn't get this to run on his Linux Mint install. He said he could compile it, but when he ran it, it basically showed up with a blank window, I think he said, or it crashed one or the other. Either way, it wasn't working. So I went to the website and I downloaded the package 
which is a tar file. It's a tar.gz archive. I unarchived it. Uh, tried to do what the install said, which was to run a QMake and then a make and then a make install. And that was supposed to be enough to get it to work. Now, I already had the Qt compiler environment installed on my machine, so I didn't have to do that. But if you don't, you have to install the Qt4 packages and the Qt4-dev packages, I believe, something like that. There's a lot of packages involved with Qt. Yeah, if you're running a GNOME, you got to add all that stuff. Well, right, because Qt is the environment for KDE. Yeah. Uh, and lots of lots of other stuff. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I just found a bunch of stuff that's in a place I never would have expected. <laughs> well, good. Maybe you can tell us about it in a minute. So I, I did what it said. I had the Qt environment already installed, so I did the QMake, which went fine. I did the make, and about halfway through the build process, the make blew up on me, and what happened was I was missing a package, and the package I was missing was port audio 19 dash dev. Now I had originally done a Google on this and they had told me that I needed to install lib port audio dash dev. And I did that and it still blew up because apparently the lib port audio dash dev uh, package is too old. So you have to use the port audio one nine dash dev instead. So then I reran the QMake, reran the make and it blew up again. So this time I was missing a library and the library I was missing was the FFTW3 library. And you know, I didn't even bother to find out what that library is. So let me look it up real quick. Ba-dum-bum. Yes. FFTW is the Fourier transform library for uh, FFT. Uh-huh. So like, since you're a ham guy, you know what FFT is, right? Uh-huh. No. Okay, I don't either, but it, you need it. It, it. it has to do with the scope and spectrum readouts on the in the program. Right. Apparently, it's used for the waterfall data that they have in there because there's a spectrum, there's a scope basically assigned to uh, frequencies. If you're doing CW in the logger, uh, you, right. can, you can see a, not a waterfall, but a, uh, a spectrum analysis of the, the bandwidth that you're connected on your radio. Uh, so you need that. So anyway, I had to install the package FFTW3 and FFTW3-dev, and that may vary for your distribution or whatever. Uh, but this was specific to Linux Mint, and that was what IZ3NVR was asking about. So there you go. So then I did the QMake, the make again, and this time all was well. Then I did a sudo make install, and... It installed properly, and then I ran the SO2 SDR executable, and it fired up. So, great. And I didn't have any blanking issues or crashes or any of that goofy stuff. Uh, there were a couple of things that happened when it first started up. The first of which was it said that I didn't have a local configuration file, and should it create one? And I said, yes, go ahead and create one, and it did. And then it complained that I didn't have a parallel port. And sure enough, my computer does not have a parallel port. SO2SDR wants to have a parallel port because apparently it uses that for some rig control. But basically, if you just tell it to go ahead and, you know, ignore the fact that you don't actually have a parallel port, it will still run, you know, just fine. I suppose I should fire this application up since I probably am going to talk about it a few more minutes. Boom, boom. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, I guess I have to do it because you can't do it. No, I'm stuck with the damn Linux Mint. It won't do nothing. This is Linux Mint. Where's Harrison? <laughs> I don't know where Harrison is. Anyway, okay, so when you fire up SO2 SDR, you actually get an X interface. And what's interesting about this is it looks and feels a lot like YFK test. I mean, a lot of the uh, boxes and the entry fields and, you know, the recording of the data you enter looks kind of the same, even though it's in an X environment as opposed to a curses environment. Under the config tab, there's a couple of things you should probably config. Your call sign, your name, your CQ area, your ITU zone. Uh, state your AWR, your AWRL section. If you're going to be doing things like AWRL contests, sweepstakes, field day, so on, and your name and address for Cabrillo logging formats. Once you've done that, you can set up two radios simultaneously. This, uh, this logging application can actually keep track of two different radios operating on two different bands and modes at the same time and you can switch back and forth between them if you you know are a really heavy duty contester it uses the ham library so you go in there select you know what radio you have connected to port one what radio you have connected to port two you can even have a third radio if it's connected to a parallel port and you can switch back and forth between them but you can only do two at a time uh there's a few other options you can select like whether or not you're in CW mode and whether this application should send CW reports as well as do the receive bit so that when you are logging, it can actually be sending like your station type, like if you're a two alpha and your section and stuff like that, it can be sending that data while you're logging. What I found was that the help file, if you drop down the help menu and select help, is very helpful as it should be it tells you how to enter macros for your cw so you can have it send certain messages you can have it send you know thanks seven three all of that kind of stuff your frequency so on and so forth it gives you all of the keystrokes so that you can switch back and forth between your two rigs you can search for call signs it does automatic dupe checking and uh, you of course you can enter uh, various frequencies you can tell it how fast you want it to send cw data overall it's a pretty full featured logging program also under the config there's what's called the band scope you can set this to multiple uh, sound cards on your machine that are connected to multiple radios and then the input sounds that are coming off of your radios will uh, generate uh, cw visualization so that you can see what audio is coming off your radios. You can focus in on CW signals. Uh, it, come, it will make like sliders so you can go up and down the band and tune in on CW signals that are coming in so you can be a more effective contester. I assume that's the purpose. Uh, and it will, of course, tune your radio while you're doing that. Now, I haven't actually been able to see this window because I don't have any radios hooked up to this particular computer, but I've seen screenshots and it looks pretty cool. 
And uh, like I said, the help file is pretty helpful. If you know anything, you can't figure out how to do any keystrokes. You don't necessarily know any uh, macros you want to set. It helps you with, gives you some updates on like how the program was written, how it works, how to do things like SO2R operation. Gives you a log of all the things that have been fixed. CW macros. I'm actually looking through the file right now to see if there's anything I missed. I think I've pretty much covered it. Anything I didn't cover, of course, you can just look in the help file for it and you'll find all the information on it. So unfortunately for IZ3NVR, I could not duplicate his issue. If I had the FFTW3 package, the FFTW3 dev package, the port audio 19-dev package, and the full Qt environment uh, under Linux Mint, it just built and worked perfectly. Perhaps if he could send me an email with some more detailed information about what the crash was or... Or any other details he can give me about why it didn't work for him, I can try and get through that and see if I can help him out. But as far as I can see, it works works well. And like I said, this actually seems to be a fairly decent logging application. The only thing I couldn't figure out about it is why you can't do any SSB logging. It seems to be CW only. I went into the source code, and the source code says SSB support is limited when I actually went to see if there was any SSB code, there didn't seem to be anything. So I take it to mean that limited means none, and that's pretty limited. I'm actually going to to write the author of the program and see if I can figure out what his reason for not having SSB in here is, because it doesn't seem to make any sense, because it seems like it would be a simple thing just to add it. For now, it doesn't seem to have it. Now, maybe he's to- a hardcore CW op. Well, maybe so, but... When I looked in the source code, there was code in there to change the value of a contact from two points to one point uh, if you were doing voice instead of CW, which makes sense because that's how it works for field day. But there was no way that I could see in the code to actually change your radio setting from CW to SSB. So, it well, didn't, you know, I don't know what that's all yeah, about. I don't have a copy of this running. And... The one Windows machine that I have, I'm not going to chance installing something like this on it because I don't want it to go away because it's the only thing I've got to run my scanner right now. But judging by looking at the website, this program's not very mature, number one. It's only about a year old, and he didn't even do a full year development on it so far because he started in February of last year. And the last entry he's gotten updates is on the 27th of January. And there's some pretty considerable gaps. I'm sure this guy is doing it in his spare time as he gets to it. And he's probably adding features that the features he uses the most are the ones he's going to get working first. And that's why I say he may be a hardcore CW guy. And it may just be a matter of time before he... uh, gets the sideband support in it and that kind of stuff. I mean, hey, were you able to get rig control through a serial port or a USB port? I was not, but since it uses the ham library and you're actually able to enter the device string for your serial port, in other words, you would put in something like slash dev slash TTY USB zero. I would assume it works, but like I said, I didn't have a radio hooked up to this computer that I'm running it on. So yeah. I, I can't say for sure. 
here in the next couple of months, it's going to be easier for us for us because I'm going to get an antenna up somehow over here so I can test some of this stuff out. However, uh, what I would say is that this is potentially a good program. As far as the interface is concerned, there's not a whole lot you can do with a login program interface. They all pretty much have to have the basics, same basic stuff. As far as the, uh, the spectrum, the band map spectrum that shows like the CW signals and stuff like that. Okay. That, that's pretty cool, but that's another one of those things that's in an awful lot of programs, digital programs, login programs, stuff like that. It appears you can get more than one. Okay. That's the dual radio thing. It does appear that it keeps up with bands and, uh, states in some cases and that kind of stuff i mean this is something we need to watch for all of you guys out there looking for a good contesting program we are fixing to go on a quest and we're going to find some good login pro contest login programs this year i I think we probably need to keep an eye on though because it do have potential well yes i i happen to agree that it does have potential and like i said one of the sort of parts of the linux world where there's a dearth of applications for ham radio happens to be in contest logging and the fact that this one exists is definitely a step in the right direction at least it's something we can point to as a functioning contest logger for those people who ask exactly exactly and for those of you who are into doing a little program i don't remember seeing any of doing a little programming i don't remember seeing anywhere where it says what it's programmed in uh it's programmed in but, cute. Well, no, that's the, that's the, the front end. I'm talking about the back end. It's yeah. It's C plus plus, which is what cute's uh, based on. Uh, C plus plus. Well, they, okay. If there's any of you C plus plus programmers out there, this guy could probably use hand. I know that, uh, D rats really took off when he was able to get two or three people to help him with, uh, uh, coding and working the bugs out of new features and stuff like that. You know, this guy may just be overwhelmed and he may be able to come up with something that is quite outstanding if uh, some of you C++ programmers get a hold of him. SO2SDR at gmail.com. Y'all, uh, y'all contact him. And you He'll can probably do this. contact us. Yeah, you can uh, probably do that without his help as well because the software is licensed under the GPL. So if you just want to dive in, by all means, go for it. Yeah, it never hurts to... Make it your own and then return it. Uh, I know I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. I was out at field day one year and uh, ended up, it was one of the years when I went from field day site to field day site to field day site to visit with folks, renew some old acquaintances and stuff like that. And I ended up down at the Texas Baptist Men. Their trailer was, uh, the Ham Association Mesquite's trailer was parked on their parking lot. And I went in and shook a few hands and walked off in the back of the trailer. And, uh, there was a guy sitting there with a laptop. He'd type a bunch of stuff and then he'd hit a key and he'd sit there a couple minutes and then he'd, uh, start typing on the keyboard. Like he was actually working PSK or something. And he'd stop and he'd reach over to the mouse and click it a couple times and then type fast and furious. And then wait a few minutes, start back up. And once I finally got worked around where I could see what he was doing, is he had a copy of FL Digi that he was working field day contacts on. And in the process, he was stopping and making modifications to the FL Digi program to make it work better with the situation he was in. 
turns out he was a programmer for one of the tech companies here locally. You know, we're like Tech Central. If they ever want to wipe out a whole bunch of different stuff, the the rocket industry, the aircraft industry, the electronics industry and stuff, they just need to drop a bomb on Dallas because we got it all here. You know, that's what he was doing. You C++ programmers, y'all take this, make it your own, and make sure it is licensed under GPL. Turn turn back what you come up with back into the community and let somebody else work on it. Did I get that right, or are we going to have to cut all that out? No, I think it sounded good to me. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, I think this thing's got potential. Without actually being able to get it to run right now and take a look at it or having had a chance to take a look at it. You know, I haven't used a lot of logging programs. For me, it's simpler is better because I don't really do contests. The closest thing I do to contesting is working in special event stations simply because that's the way I roll. But I have seen quite a few that had plenty of features that if I was going to work contests, and a lot of them nowadays even have the contest set up and ready to go, you just got to punch your information in. But I think we're going to go on to Quest. So I'm going to put out a call to everybody that listens to Linux and the Ham Shack, especially you guys up in Dayton. Go out and find your best contest logging program. And Russ and I will take a look at them. And I think we probably feature the top handful on one of the shows because this is turning into being an important subject. Uh, we do have a lot of contesters out there contesting is the geeky equivalent of being in a real sport and a lot of a lot of folks are really interested in that y'all go out and check it out and this one here yeah russ i'll be interested to hear what you hear uh, hear hear what uh s zero two sdr has or so two sdr has to say like i said he's probably just swamped over there and just hadn't had time to work on it i know ted's like that oh ted's not in here <laughs> Well, well, I know if I had, I, I probably have enough knowledge of C++ where I could actually make the change to just add SSB support, but you know, I'm a little short on time myself. So I, I guess I'm going to leave that to someone else. I understand. All right. Well, I should probably throw on some more music and then we can hit some feedback and get on out of here. What do you think? That uh, sounds like a winner to me. If you can do the lead in this time. All right, I can do the leading this time. There's going to be some dead air afterwards because I'm probably going to need more than the minute and 30 this song runs. It's a real short one. Uh-huh. All right, so there's going to be a minute and 30 of song here, and there's going to be some dead air. This one's Jonathan Colton again from his Artificial Heart album. It's a six-track called Sucker Punch. So I'll play this one. It'll go about a minute 30, and then Richard will make some fart noises, and we'll be back on the other side. Sound good? <laughs> Play the music. <laughs> All right, here we go. I feel better already I feel better 
See, he told y'all that it was short. Y'all, y'all just like hanging. He does that. He, he gets these songs that just like stop. And that's because he's messing with me because I ain't quite right. But that's okay. Welcome to Linux and Ham Shack. Ha- amateur radio on a budget. Amateur radio on a budget. Budget. Yeah, buddy. Now, Russ is off. Actually, I can't tell you people what he's doing. He's got something to do with a train. I didn't hear a car door slam this time, so hopefully he's still within uh, uh, the vicinity of the recording studio up there in Arkansas. Uh, I don't know. If y'all listen back, you'll find an episode where he actually stopped in the middle of the show and went to the liquor store. Um, I'm kind of concerned. I'm hoping we don't have our own potential Chad Wallenberg happening. In Texas, we ain't got no basements. Up there, I don't think he has a basement, so we may be good to go. I'm not real sure. Hey, do Russ, where are Badger. you? Russ, where are you? <laughs> He's back, y'all. I'm back. Yes, Russ is in Arkansas, where the men are men and the sheep are nervous. <laughs> That's yes, Texas. Sir. Okay, now you left me short with that song, so we're going to get into email. We got an email from Larry, KG4Q. And it's confusing me a bit, but I'll go ahead and read it. Uh, it says, I just listened to episode 55 with the interview with W1HKJ. I've been using FL Digi for over a year and I love it and love it. Uh, I also use JT65 HF running under wine on Ubuntu 10.04. I hope someone will port JT65 HF to Linux one day. Both FL Digi and JT65 HF save their log files in ADF format. Uh, so if Dave's FL log log server program is set to write its log to the same file named JT65 HF underscore log dot ADI, uh, that JT65 HF uses, a combined log of all digital modes can be kept. That makes it really easy to export recent log entries for upload to EQSL and processing for logbook of the world upload. Larry, KG4Q. Well. Little K, little G, little four, big F and Q. Big F and Q. (laughs) There you have it. Well, you know, the, the, the thing is, um, need to listen a little further. You need to catch up on those episodes, Larry, because there is a JT65 HF for Linux. Uh, in fact, I don't remember what episode it was, but um, we talked about that because I had it up and running at the old radio room on this machine in the radio room at the other house before we moved and made quite a few contacts. 
Now, as far as getting the logs to work together or uh, getting FL log to take a look at it, uh, that's something that uh, you may have to take up with Dave. And he could probably take care of that or create something that, uh, you know, make them work together somehow, some, some way. But I would strongly advise that you go ahead and, uh, go take a look and get the copy of, uh, JT 65 HF for Linux. In fact, uh, most of that stuff that that particular gentleman writes runs on Linux and has to be monkeyed with to get it to run on windows. I'm not real clear on what's going on there. I can see that you want to upload the EQSL and logbook of the world. That wouldn't be my choice, but you know, everybody does things different. What do you think, Russ? As it happens, I had this question come up several times at Hamvention, people wondering if there was some way to do JT 65, uh, via Linux. And, uh, a lot of them were using JT 65 HF for windows. And they told me that when they asked. And so what I did was I downloaded the dev package version of uh, K1JT, that would be Joe's version of the WSJT suite, which supports JT65, and I just did a dpackage install of that dev file, and I had JT65 support that I could demo right there at Hamvention, and people looked uh, really impressed. So even though there's a, you know, an equivalent version of JT5, JT65HF for Linux, you don't have to use that. You can use K1JT software as well. So there's more than one way to get your JT65 fix for Linux. You know, uh, Russ hides videos on me over at the Linux and Hamshack site, but I went over to the uh, resident frequency website and looked it up. Uh, yeah, I posted a video on YouTube on march 20th of last year march 20th of last year where i was actually sitting there running jt65 and making contacts and uh talking about the program so there's a version of that out there for uh linux now as far as getting them to write to the same log uh that is kind of beyond me at this point i'm sure there's a way to do it rich did not know how well i don't I'm not sure about that either. I do know that like when uh, W1HKJ writes his software, like all the stuff that's FL whatever, like FL rig, FL digi, and, and the other stuff he's written, he has a backend process where they all link together. So if you want to use, you know, the logging software from one piece of his software with the rig control piece of another bit of his software, they all sort of interoperate together. So I know that works. Now, as far as the stuff uh, from Dave, uh, the JT65HF, I don't know. I'm telling you, let me go back over here. Oh, crap, I closed the window. See what you did? There it is. Are you sure JT65HF is Linux too? Uh, yes. Okay, I'm just you know making sure because I didn't check it. Please, please go check the introduction to JT65RF. VE03 colon introduction to JT65. Yes, sir. I can start it here and I could probably hear it. It's about 10 minutes long. So one that had the really nice intro stuff, the Linux in the Hamshack presents a resonant frequency, uh, the amateur radio podcast video edition. What's with the, the girl with the big boobies? What's the website for the JT65HF software? Is that the SourceForge site? 
I'm sure it's WSJT's website, wherever it is. I don't even remember. It's been so long since I've been over there. No, 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 no. The WSJT stuff is not JT65HF. That's written by somebody else or K1JT, whatever I just said. K1JT. Well, the JT65 is done from within WSJT 9.0 on this video. Yeah, right. That's not JT65HF. That's a different project. That's written by W6CQZ. Well, then he needs to try something else. Damn it. <laughs> I think that's right. This is what I'm looking at on the SourceForge site. Uh, JT65HF is a Windows-only project. Uh, looks like it's written by W6CQZ. But the I'm JT65 project that's part of the WSJT stuff written by K1JT, that's Windows and Linux. Where do you reckon the JT and JT65 comes from? Hmm, I have no idea. Okay. Now, what I was saying is if he wants to run something, and I think the spirit of the thing is he wants to run JT65 under Linux, which is fine unless he's stuck on that program, which... A lot of people are stuck on different programs. Right. He can go get WSJT suite and run it over there because I was running it. In fact, I had the video running here while I was trying to look the information up. Right. And that's what I was recommending at Hamvention is to go get the WSJT suite from K1JT and use that because it's native to Linux as opposed to that JT65HF suite which is windows only in which i guess everybody was using because that was what they knew and that's why they were using it See, that's the deal all this stuff they spend all that time porting it over someplace where it wasn't written initially and then everybody gets crazy because they can't they can't run it when they come back over to linux there you have it anyway uh these would be our suggestions for running jt65 uh as far as the logging questions it might be best to contact uh dave w1hkj at uh at the fldg website and make a suggestion you know uh, when we talked to him he said he was always working on it episode 55 that had been seven eight years ago it seems like we've been doing this thing 20 years <laughs> <laughs> okay are you are, am i gonna have to straighten out this mess because i think you're getting some stuff confused what are you talking about I'm talking about the fact that W1HKJ has not written software for JT65. Logging. Logging. Oh, we're Working back to... out the logging situation. Okay, we're back to logging. Good. So I'm glad you straightened me out because I, ha- I got lost. Yeah, me too. <laughs> there for a second I went, ooh. Badger. Did I say, say that? That's about the logging. That's uh, K1JT or whatever his name is if you want to talk about JT65. Right. Yeah. Oh boy, we 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 good to, we good on this one. Yeah, buddy. Uh-huh. Where's Fab when you need him? It's crap. There you have it. All right. <laughs> so, Larry, yeah, uh shoot the information off that way. We I'm like I was saying earlier, I don't know if it'll end up in the final cut. I'm going to have to get me an HF antenna up here somehow. So I can start experimenting with some of the stuff that, uh, we need to talk about on the show that you guys could use. That's another one of the things that'll be on the list is going back to the JT 65. Uh, just remember it never run anything in wine. If you can find an equivalent that'll run native, I've had more issues with wine than I don't know what. 
and problems yeah. with the software too. One, one All more. All right. So, uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> one, one more quick thing on JT65 before we move on. Somebody was asking me about whether or not they allow JT65 for contesting. And I was like, good God, man, unless your contact's worth, you know, 400 points, there really wouldn't be much use in using JT65 in a contest. Seven minutes to make a contact on JT65. Yeah. Not, not exactly a contesting mode. No, it's intended to be a weak signal mode and it works outstanding for that because I've got cards laying here on the desk that I do need to get returned for contacts I made when I was just testing it out. It's doing less with more. That's what amateur radio is really about. I love JT65. I like to get back to running it quite a bit. Of course, solar cycles up. I just wish I could get a damn 10 meter antenna up. Yeah, I believe my comment about JT65 is it was the mode that makes QR peers horny. There you go. All right, you want to hit That's this last one? <laughs> makes your contacts hard. Anyway, um, <laughs> oh, my God. Last but not least, we have an email from Chris. Actually, you should probably let me tackle this last one. Yeah, because I can't talk. <laughs> okay, last episode, we talked about an email that you got from Chris, K4FH about us giving him some information about doing, you know, a demonstration or a presentation that he wanted to do about, you know, Linux and the ham shack. We talked about it and then didn't bother to send him anything. Oops. Yeah. Well, he caught up with me at Hamvention and Oops. told me all about his presentation that he did. After he told him that, and I apologized for not talking to him i apologize for both you and me for not giving him any information to go on well, i asked I'm not him sorry well i don't care if you're sorry or not i apologized anyway <laughs> i asked him to send me the slides of his presentation and i read through them and it looked really really good and of course he mentioned us so thank you very much chris that was awesome especially since we kind of blew you off I guess one thing I can do is I can make those slides available so that people can check them out because it, it did look like a really good presentation. Of course, it's just a PowerPoint or uh, the open source equivalent of a PowerPoint. You know, somebody might be interested in them. So we'll, we'll put them up so people can get them. And I want, I would like to see that. Yes. Well, I will make it available and I'm sure Chris will be uh, happy to show you what he did. And I think he did a really good job. So thanks Chris for not being bitter and not chastising us too hard for the fact that we didn't bother to help you out. And also, thanks for stopping by the booth at the Hamvention, and uh, it was really good to, to meet you and talk to you. And, and Chris, I didn't blow you off. It was all Russ. No. Ever bit. He says, oh, hell, I ain't sending nothing to that guy. Yeah, right. Well, I believe if I go back to the email, it was addressed to you only. Well, I don't know nothing about that stuff. <laughs> Everybody thinks that I'm the smart, I'm the smart one. You are the smart that's a, one. I'm that's the, a sad, sad commentary <laughs> on this show. No, I'm just here to look pretty. I see. All right, folks. Well, <laughs> yeah, now y'all, y'all need to like, think about this. Cause I've said it more than once. Russ and I both have faces that were made for radio. <laughs> and we proved that since we stopped doing Ustream. broke the server more than once. Okay, so what else is on this list right here? I think we're Ain't done. Else on that list? No, unless you got something, I think we're done. I think we're both a little bit punch drunk from the weekend and from today. It sounds like in your case, so maybe we should just go on home. Richie puts on his radio voice. All right, that pretty much wraps it up for this time, kids. Um, 
Uh, no, this is not Ted Randall. This is KB5JBV. Richard with Linux in the ham shack. If you want to contact me, please, please send an email to KB5JBV at gmail.com. KB5JBV at gmail.com or catch up boy, with me on the social networks. I'm on now on Google Plus, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, Tumblr, Diaspora, uh, Plurk and all that other good crap. Uh, just uh, KB5JBV. Y'all go look for me. And with that, we'll send it off to the to the lovely and scenic mountains of northern Arkansas where Russ will say Oh, he's starting to steal my lines. Well, this is Russ, K5TUX. You can contact me at Russ. Well, you could, but it would work better if you did K5TUX at LHSPodcast.info. You can contact Richard and I at info at LHSPodcast.info. Go to the website, LHSPodcast.info. Leave us a comment on our stories. You can find the dial-in line at 1909-547-7469. That's 1909-LHS-INFO. Leave us a voicemail and we'll put you guys on the air. We'd like to hear from you. I'm on the social networks, Google+, Identica, Facebook, Twitter, a few others here and there. I'm J.R. Woodman and also K5TUX at 73s.org. Thanks once again for tuning in and thanks once again for all the folks we saw out at Hamvention. This has been episode number 83 of Linux in the Ham Shack. This is Russ broadcasting live from between the peaks in the pine forest of north central Arkansas, and I'm going to send it back down to the Trinity River, next to which Richard will say, Oh, he just, he gave me a hard time. Everything good with the cardboard box, but I do need to do some repairs on my tinfoil hat. I'll see y'all next time. <laughs>